It had a purpose and it accomplished it. And that was to make you smile and laugh. And the times we're living now, it's getting harder and harder to see the church smiling and laughing. We're so bound up and we're oppressed and we're depressed and we're suppressed. And it ought not be. Jesus, the only begotten Son of God, wrapped himself in flesh, left the splendor of heaven, came to this earth, was mocked, beaten, spit on, nailed to an overhead cross, pierced in his side, shed his blood, and died so that we may have life and have it abundantly, so that we don't have to sin to have fun. Amen? So that the joy of the Lord shall be our strength, joy unspeakable, full of glory, so that if we have nothing else, we can simply rejoice for the fact that our name is written down in the Lamb's book of life. His joy ought to bring us laughter. And if we can't laugh, there's usually two prevalent reasons why. Number one, we don't feel like it due to our circumstances. Or number two, we refuse to laugh. I'm mad. Or you didn't get your way. Or you got your feelings hurt. Or here's one for you. You're too spiritual. You know the ones that are oversaved. Hey, James talked about them, those that are too heavenly minded to be any, any earthly good. You know they're oversaved when they won't buy a vacuum cleaner because it's called a dirt devil. Yeah, you've seen them at Walmart down on aisle number 13 where they stock them vacuum cleaners. They're down there shouting, holler, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Come out of there. Some of you are laughing. That's great. Because laughter is good for us. Who do you think put that in us? Who do you think gave this body the ability to laugh? It takes more muscles to frown than to smile. So you want to relieve all that stress and untighten all those wound up muscles? Then church, laugh. Proverbs 17 verse 20 says, A merry heart does good like a medicine, but a broken heart dries the bones. How many of you like to laugh? All right. How many would say laughing makes you feel better? When was the last time you really laughed? When was the last time you really had fun? Right now, someone's probably being honest with themselves right now, and they're saying, I can't even remember the last time. Well, maybe you can't. Maybe that's why I'm here tonight. I can't tell you when it was, but I came to remind you it's time to because it is important to you. Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 3, there is a time to laugh, a time to have fun. I mean, how many would say it's been a long time since you had fun? Why? Why can't you have fun? Why don't you have fun? You're a Christian. You should have fun. You're free. You should rejoice for nothing else. Like I said, your name's written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. You should be rejoicing. But too many believe as Christians they can't have fun. Some believe as Christians, they're not supposed to. Now that I'm saved, I have to live that old, dull, drudgery life. You know when you get saved, the devil comes, he ties a log chain around your neck and comes by and beats you once a day. And it's gloom, despair, and agony on me. If you think that way, you've got it all messed up. Christ died to set you free. You were a slave to sin, but he came and died to set the captives free. To free you from sin, not fun. Free you so you can have fun. So you don't live in condemnation of all the sinful things your carnal nature used to indulge in. You can laugh and have fun as a Christian. You can tell jokes. You can watch funny movies. You can have a party. You can dance. 
If it's clean fun and it's not sinful, why do so many people associate having fun with sin? It doesn't have to be. Paul said, be angry and sin not. You can have fun and sin not. Do you know that the big factor to a lot of people resisting salvation is they don't want to give up what they call fun. They see all these church people walking around all bound up and unhappy and bitter. They say, I don't want that. I, I want to have fun. We've got to show people the world that we can have fun and not be sinful. I'll never forget me right after I got, I got saved. Most of you know I played in nightclubs for about 20 years, music. And I'm on a Friday night sitting with some people. I was 37. They were probably close, all close to 60. And I'm sitting on a Friday night when I would usually be out somewhere playing rock and roll music. But I'm sitting here and I'm eating pie and I'm studying a Bible. And all of a sudden I begin to laugh. He said, what are you laughing about? I said, if you would have told me six weeks ago I'd be sitting here on a Friday night eating pie with you folks, I said, I told you you was crazy. But I found out that night I could have fun. And I didn't have to be in a nightclub. I didn't have to be drinking. I didn't have to play rock and roll music. But I could still have fun with my friends. You know what's so ironic? As kids, we played, and we laughed, and we had fun. And many times, it's just with a stick and a rock. Cardboard box, sack of marbles, a bat and a ball, a jump rope. We didn't need drugs. We didn't need sexual pleasure or even money to be happy and have fun. Regardless of our social or economic conditions, we had fun. I did as a child, living on an old dirt road, poor as dirt, some of the most fun I'd ever had in my life. No wonder Jesus said we must be as a little child to enter into heaven. When people refer to the good old days, most generally, they're referring back to their childhood when they had fun. Although they didn't have much things, they had fun. You remember the, any of these? Hide and go seek, picnics at the park, kickball down the street, swimming in the pond, walking on the railroad tracks, hunting deer, playing Cinderella. So what's wrong? We have fallen out of fellowship with people, with one another, and we've replaced it with materialistic mindsets, gadgets, and devices in place of friendships and social engagements. We've taken fun out of life. People won't come to church. No fun. Don't want to hang around you because you're no fun. Show me somebody who knows how to have fun, and I'll show you somebody who has a lot of friends. Bob declares for us to have friends, we must show ourselves friendly, fun to be around. I know that there's a time to be serious. I take the things of God very serious. I've been told at times I'm too serious. And they judge me wrongly. But I also enjoy having fun. Like everything else in life, there has to be a balance. Solomon said there is a season and a time to everything. He said there was a time for mourning, crying, those serious times. But he also said there was a time for laughing and dancing, having fun. There's got to be a balance in your life. Anymore, you've got to plan to have fun. When it ought to come naturally, it should be a part of your life. We get so caught up in our circumstances that are serious at times, and we don't even pursue fun. We wake up every day in our pits, and we never consider even having any fun. Matter of fact, you believe you don't even deserve to, is what you wrongfully think. Isn't it odd, though, you see kids in Ethiopia I have on TV running and chasing one another, laughing, having fun in the worst conditions in the world? Folks, we were born to laugh. It's an emotion that God planted in us. 
Folks, Jesus come to give his life and give it to us more abundantly. Being a believer should not be grievous. We are to be fun, loving people. People love to watch funny things. Why? Because people love to laugh. They listen to people like Tim Hawkins. Why? He makes them laugh. Let's talk about the fun factor. Too many think they can't have fun without a pocket full of money or some worldly vice. Fun, laughter is important to your life. If you can't find fun and laughter as a Christian, you are not living a victorious life. See, there's the embalmers and then there's the anointers. Which are you? The embalmers speak death to you. The anointers, they speak blessing over you. So let's go to Genesis chapter 26 for a moment. It's a story of a man named Abraham who had dug wells for his community in which he lived, which provided water for his people. Water, we all know, is a vital source of life. It will keep you alive. You know you can go 40 days without food and you can live, but you can only go three days without water and you'll die. Abraham's enemy comes in, though, and stops up all the wells. Why? You shut off the water, you shut off life. This water was important to the people. It cleansed their thirst, it watered their crops, and they bathed in it and so on and so on. When these wells were stopped up, it caught, cut off a vital source to these people. You ever been without water? It can sure alter your life. Then years later, after the, after the attack by the enemy, in Genesis 26, 18, it says that Abraham's son Isaac reopened the wells of his father Abraham, which the Philistines, their enemy, had stopped up after Abraham did, died. Their enemy had cut off a very vital source to their lives. Isaac felt that it was time to get it back. He came to the place of thinking, this is foolish for us to sit here like this when all we got to do is open up the flow of water again. It's right here before us, yet we've been sitting here doing without. And this is what happens to a lot of people as they go through life. They allow things to get shut off. Life comes at them. Stuff happens to them. Circumstances arise. Situations come, which literally cuts off the flow of something very vital to you, living a victorious life. Joy, fun, happiness is shut off. The vital source gets cut off in their life, and they live miserably for years. How does this happen? John 10, 10 gives us an answer. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. There's nothing more that the enemy would love to do to you than cut off your joy, your fun, and your laughter. He wants to kill your life, but Jesus came to give you life down here on earth. This thing that sustains us, makes life enjoyable, gets cut off in a lot of people's lives. Some of us have had fun in so long. Tonight, I want you to recognize the value of fun to your life. If you've ruled out the fun factor being spiritually vital to your Christian walk, I want you to reconsider. I want you to make yourself aware of this vital source and how important it is to your life. And to make you aware, you're shut down. Your well is stopped up. And it's time to do what Isaac did. Let God open them back up again in your life. God wants to open up the wells and get fun and joy flowing again in your life. Because he knows how vital it is to your life. If you can't remember the last time you just had fun, or it's been more than 24 hours since you laughed, listen up. Because what are some of the things that stop the flow of fun in our lives? Ecclesiastes 8.15 says, we're to have fun. 
We're to enjoy life. It declares there is nothing better than for us to enjoy life. We set all miserable yet don't want to die. So why not make every effort to be happy till you die? Like I said, it's all about choice. Ever have one of them days someone says, come on, man, cheer up, and you refuse to? You see, it's by choice. And what a terrible choice to make. I've done it, and you have too. Question, how free are you to have fun? Are you hindered, and by what? Unconsciously blinded to it? I think many are there. So many of you having fun so long, you've grown accustomed to it. Let's look at some of the fun stoppers, things that hinder us. Number one, hanging out with the wrong people will stop up your well. Misery loves company. Birds of a feather flock together. Let me list some of the people who are wrong people to hang out with if you want to have fun. One is critical people. Those people, when you're having fun, will say to you, why don't you grow up? Why don't you act your age? Criticism will always shut you down. There are people who were once free. Now they set bound because of criticism. You have a great idea. You're all anxious to share it, and yet critics shut you down. Do you realize how many people are, are not doing what they should be doing because someone simply criticized their plans and their ideals? They speak negativity to you. Ah, that will never work. Ah, people already done, done that. Nobody's going to buy that. Well, it reminds you of the Cabbage Patch doll. How many remember the Cabbage Patch doll? That man made millions. And now he's having a lot of fun. And everybody laughed at him and criticized him. No one will ever buy an ugly Cabbage Patch doll, but millions did. People now bound as Christians because of religious criticism. We don't, we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't. All the do's and the don'ts. With no room to fail, to grow, to mature, one strike, you're out. We allow personal convictions to often judge others. I don't think Christians ought to play cards. There's nothing wrong playing with cards for fun, folks. If that's your personal conviction and you don't want to play, don't play. But don't judge others who do it for fun. Sure, playing cards could turn out to be a sinful practice if you start gambling. But they can also play cards and have clean fun. Criticism has caused people who used to be free and lighter to be now more rigid and reserved. Why? Because somewhere in the back of their mind, a seed was planted declaring maturity means to be sober-minded. You can't mature and have fun. Nonsense. As a church, let's not let critical people stop the flow of fun. If you're hanging out with critical people, part ways or you will never enjoy anything. So many people don't want anything to do with church because it cuts off their fun. Our staunchiness has been advertised to the world. If you get saved, you got to go sit in a room for an hour and a half, sit down, shut up, be quiet, and don't move in the church. You got to get rid of cable TV, turn off the internet, throw away them board games, and have no friends. I only agree if any of those things are causing you to sin. But you could do all of those things and have good, clean fun. If you don't believe this is happening, then you haven't spent much time trying to win the lost. I've heard their every excuse, most common. When I get everything right, I will one of these days. I'm just having fun right now. I'm not ready for all that yet. I've tried that. 
They've been turned off by the church. We are not to ever lower our standards. We are to, to strive for holiness. There are so many things created for men to enjoy, but too often the wickedness of a man's heart turns something good into something bad. Computers were created to help us. They can be used for good things, but a wicked heart can turn that computer bad. Guns were created for our protection, but a man with a wicked heart can turn that gun into something bad. Good, clean fun, if, even, if you don't know how to have it, you're out of touch and your heart is not right. Just do what you did when you were little. Take whatever you got and make the best of it. See, when I was seven, I didn't have to drink alcohol. I didn't have to smoke marijuana. I didn't have to watch dirty movies. I didn't have to hang out in nightclubs. I didn't have to go to a gambling boat to have fun. But when I got older, something transpired in my life to convince me those were the only ways to have fun. Thank God, though, that when I was 37, though, I woke up and realized I didn't have to have those things or do those things to have fun anymore. I got saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. And now I'm content in whatever state that I'm in, I don't have to commit sin to have fun. Let's move on. Second person you don't need to hang out with that will shut down fun is pessimistic people. Optimistic people see the good in everything. Pessimistic people see the bad in everything. They can sure run your day. They can sure shoot down your dream. They can sure curse your blessing. They'll be like, how you like my new car? They'll be like, oh, it's nice. Then just give them five more minutes. Then they just got to start pointing out the flaws. They just got to do it. They just got to say it. This black is nice, but I think if I was going to get one, I'd get a blue one. Why don't you get an automatic? You're going to hate shifting this all the time. Everybody ever owned one of those got rid of them because they were gas hogs. And by the time they're finished with you, you're questioning yourself and your decision. Now you don't even like the car as much as you did. When you hang around with optimistic people, it's a lot easier to have fun. Pessimistic people will shut things down. Difference between an optimist and a pessimist is they both have problems, but an optimist is able to isolate the problem and not let it affect all of their life. My supervisor would come by when I managed grocery stores, and I'd say, I got a problem. But he'd always say, no, you got an opportunity to correct something. Always optimistic. Two men were sitting in jail. One walks to look out the barred windows, and he, one man sees freedom. The other walks to look out the window, and all he sees is no way out. Some people, washing machine breaks down that morning, and nothing is right the rest of the day. You got to isolate the problem. Your washing machine broke shouldn't stop you from enjoying the rest of your day. Get up and go on to the prayer meeting. Get up and get ready and go on to the show. Don't let it stop you from enjoying something else that day. Here's another group who really stopped the flow of fun in the church. Pious people. I always thought pious people were people with pride. But after looking it up in the dictionary and seeing the definition of it, it defines pious people as devoted religious people whose former religion is heavily, heavy-spirited and weighty in their lives. In other words, their walk with God is strenuous and it's overbearing. I went, Wow! I've met those people. 
Like the Bible declares, they have a form of godliness, but they deny the power of. They got it all going on on the outside. They know how to conduct themselves appropriately. They got the religious vocabulary all memorized. They pray eloquent prayers. Now, and they know how to carry their Bible just right. But these people can, can stop the flow of fun in our lives. Pious people, because they're critical. They're pessimistic. All rolled up into one. Oh, and they're not happy people. Jesus encountered some of these people we've talked about. They were called Sadducees and Pharisees, the religious sector. He spent a lot of time talking with them and confronting them. He tried to show them the errors of their religious, traditional, legalistic mindsets and practices. He would tell them, you've made this thing so heavy and weighty. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 7, 12 and 28, Come and knee, all you that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He was saying to them, being a Christian, a Christ follower, should not be this hard. The gospel is to set men, men free, not bind them up. Jesus said it should be easy and light. His way was unlike that of the bunch of the pious and the religious bunch. Remember, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Serving God should be portrayed by believers as the best life possible. That it's not when life ends, it's when life begins. That there's benefits and there's privileges to serving God. Sure, there are still trials and there's still heartaches, but with Christ, there's hope, love, joy, peace, to name some of the nine fruits of the Spirit. The good always outweighs the bad. Remember, all things work together for good, those who love God. You're blessed going out and coming in. Read Matthew 5. It's known as the Beatitudes of how blessed a believer is. Jesus said his yoke is light, unlike that of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious practices. Don't let pious people stop the flow of fun in your life. Another thing that stops the flow of fun is this thing called busyness. You've all heard when you're trying to have fun from your boss or your parent, we don't have time for that. Come on, quit messing around. We got to go. We got work to do. That has been planted in our minds so deep that we believe we can't work and have fun at the same time. That's why many don't enjoy their jobs. That's why some don't enjoy their ministry. When I was doing the evangelism task force ministry, our evangelist team, I would always tell them, Guys, we're going to go out and have fun. I tell everybody it's in the Sounds of Christmas play. We're going to put on production, but what most all, you know what I want you to do? I want you to have fun. I want you to enjoy this. It's going to be work. It's going to take a lot of dedication and commitment, but let's have fun doing it. Can't work and have fun at the same time, some believe. Let's put that thought back on the table. I'd like to submit to your consideration, actually, you work better if you have fun enjoying what you're doing. Employers, if any of them in here, you have better employees and less turnover if they have fun. They can actually accomplish more. Fun is a nature. When you decide to have fun, it becomes a lifestyle in anything. Consider this. Fun could be a way of life. It should be a part of your nature. You must choose to have fun. If you do, if you do here's the, my promise to you. Your work will be more enjoyable. Your home life will be more enjoyable. Your church will be more enjoyable. Serving God will be more enjoyable. Your marriage will be more enjoyable if you have fun. You can even look at the sports arena. Some of the world's best athletes are competing. They work hard all year long. 
I've seen many occasions where certain coaches, their last words before the team takes the field were, now let's go play hard, and most of all, let's have fun doing it. You know why certain ones say those words and others don't? They have learned the value of having fun, regardless of whether we win or we lose. If you don't enjoy the game, why play? Having fun will relax you. It'll lighten the pressure to perform. Don't allow yourself to say, I'm too busy to have fun. Don't think that while you're doing things, you can't have fun in the process. Fun can be a blessing to your life, and everybody is attracted to fun. If you want people attracted to the church, your ministry, it's got to possess and portray fun. Reader's Digest had an article on happiness. It contained a lot of medical research that showed marriages last longer when you're having fun. Work and careers last longer when you're having fun. People actually live longer who have fun. If there was a pill that you could make all this happen, people would stand in line to buy it. But it doesn't come in a pill form. You just have to make up your mind tonight to open up back up the wells of your youth and declare, I'm going to have fun regardless, and I don't have to sin to do it. See, when I was young, I had fun with whatever I had around me. Another thing that stops the flow of fun is reckless fun. Now, we've all experienced fun. This is it, that is in, in a, we've all experienced fun that is inappropriate at someone else's expense or bad timing. That took the fun out of the fun factor. That's why sometimes we're reluctant to have fun. We think someone will get hurt in the process. True fun shouldn't hurt anyone, except when it's reckless and it's intended to tear down or wound someone. We must renew our minds. Understand, fun doesn't have to be at someone else's expense. A lot of us need to learn to laugh at ourselves because we've all done some pretty ridiculous things at some point in our life. Some think it's always fun to make fun at someone else, but say something about you, and it's, oh, boy, don't you go there. Reckless fun can, can become sinful. Ephesians 5, 4 says, There shouldn't be any obscenity among us, nor foolish talk of, or what the Bible calls coarse joking, which is out of place. There is a kind of joking that is not appropriate for a believer. Dirty jokes, racial jokes. When it tears down others, it takes the fun out of the fun factor. Say no to those things. But open the doors wide to good fun. Last thing I want to address can stop the flow of fun is the pain of life. Life can be hard. It can be full of troubles. Job said a man born of a woman, his life is full of troubles and the days are few. Jesus said in this world you're going to have trouble. Tribulation. Anybody know how you finish this phrase, though? In this world, you're going to have trouble, but be of good cheer. In other words, good cheer, fun, laughter, joy, happiness. Fun helps us. It's a gift of God. Jesus said, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptation. Fun helps us through the struggles in our lives. Too many times we avoid fun when we're in struggles. We don't want no part of it. Leave me alone right now. We don't want part, no part of encouragement when we're mad. When we're angry and trying so hard to be mad to be unforgiving. Don't tell me to let it go. Don't tell me to get over it. Don't tell me to shake it off, to just go and enjoy my life. Don't you hate it when you're trying to be mad but someone makes you laugh? That's why some avoid church during the time of their struggle. They know if they come, we're going to try to encourage them. When they done concluded, in their minds, life is hard right now, and there's no place for fun, which is the opposite of what they really need. Ever notice when you're really having fun, 
You don't think about all your troubles. You come back and you're saying it got your mind off of your troubles. It felt so good to get away. But some even feel guilty if they have fun during trials or tragedies. Yet laughter doeth good like a medicine. It will help you heal. It's been medically proven. Fun helps you cope with life. Some people have tragedies and have never had fun since the day they had their tragedy. Your thinking is you're not supposed to. That's not appropriate when it's actually what you need. Medical research states when we laugh, we release endorphins into our system. And endorphins are like natural painkillers that helps us to heal to endure pain. Go to St. Jude Hospital. Go see all the little kids with the cancer. A lot of their treatment involves them having fun. So they do everything they can there to cheer them kids up and make them laugh and put smiles on their face. Why? Because it's been proven they have a better recovery rate and helps them to cope with their illness. As well as the parents who love to see them make their kids smile and laugh during these most difficult times of their life. It's part of a healing process, church. So laugh, church. Laugh in spite of your troubles. And one more thing, I believe your witness and my witness for Christ is jeopardized when we don't show the world we can have fun. Why would anybody want to be a part of what you're doing when you don't have fun doing it? I remember two men one, one time came to my door years ago carrying these pamphlets, these nice white shirts, <laughs> well-groomed, but they looked miserable. Their countenance was burdensome. I detected they were there more out of obligation than because they wanted to be. They didn't want to be there. I didn't want them to be there. Even though I wasn't already a believer, there was nothing about that encounter that would want me to say yes to them. To where I would go, wow, you got to be kidding. Where you been all my life? I wish I'd known this before. Same it is with us. If we walk around defeated, miserable, bitter, when you do, don't be surprised when your fellow employee turns down your invitation to church or your brother says no or your best friend says no because they're judging the church and a life with Christ by you. I remember when I was an unbeliever and Helen, I've told the story before, was so inspirational in my life. The first thing that got my attention to listen to her was her fun-loving personality and she said it was all due to the fact because of the God she served. That her being a Christian is what gave her joy in life. And when I seen it with my own eyes, I witnessed it, I was willing to listen to hear what she's got that made her so happy. We've got to lighten up, church, and we've got to learn to have fun. Not reckless fun, good clean fun. There's a time to be serious, there's a time to mourn, but there's also a time to laugh and a time to dance. Nehemiah 8 and 2, and I'm closing with this. Be not grieved and depressed, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Say, my strength is the joy of the Lord. In closing, the key to a victorious life in Christ is we have to love, laugh, and we have to live. If you can't find fun, something or someone has stolen your joy and your wells are stopped up. There's a little song that's more powerful than it is cute. And these were the words to it. Smile, even though your heart is aching. Smile, even though it's breaking. 
When there are clouds in the sky, we'll get by when you smile. Through your fears and sorrow, smile. So smile when your heart is aching. Smile if it's even breaking. Smile in the pain of your life. Just smile. God said in Ecclesiastes 8.15, so I commended the enjoyment of life. God was saying, I endorse it. I endorse the enjoyment of life, so have fun. And then he goes on to say, because nothing is better for a man under the sun than to eat and drink and be glad. Talking about fellowship and fun. He says, and then joy will accompany him in his work all the days of the life that God has given him under the sun. Would you stand with me? I came by tonight on my heart, the Lord placed. Church, we got to have fun. We can have fun. It's okay to have fun. You can have fun and not be sinful. The church has got to come alive again. The church has got to start laughing again, smiling again, being happy to be a Christian. So happy when every time something good happens to you, do you not pick up that phone or start texting someone and tell them what just happened to you because you're just so happy. you got to tell somebody. Well, tell somebody about Jesus and what he's done for you. We've got to be happy about being saved. We've got to be happy about being where we're at in this Christian walk of our life. And I've come to encourage somebody tonight, every single one of you, you can have fun. It don't have to be sinful. You can enjoy life. You can be happy. So live, love, and laugh again, church. I'm going to invite you to come find your place at the altar. And if you're not in that place, I want you to pray tonight and ask, God, unstop my wills. Take whatever it is in my life that's hindering me from my happiness, from me having fun, from me being happy, Whatever is taking my joy, whatever is, give it back to me, Lord. I want you to come and pray that God, give me my joy. And as you're praying, I'm going to pray that God opens up these wells in your life. Would you find a place to pray tonight? Danny, if you turn the music on, just come and find yourself a place to play. And pray. Say, God, give me back my joy. Open it up, God. Let me have fun again. Let me live again. Hallelujah. Father, tonight I come to you in the precious name of Jesus Christ. I pray over this church body, God, Lord. I'm asking you, God, to enlighten us tonight, Father, with your word. That your word would speak to us and remind us that as a believer, we're free. We're free, God. We're free to love. We're free to laugh. God, you, you've given us abundant life. You've given us hope. You've given us joy. And those things ought to inspire the church. And God, the church has got to come alive. We've got to be the happy place. We've got to be the happy people, God, and we should be, God, because we're free. We're not bound by this world. We're not bound by the things of this world, God. I pray, God, open up those wells back in our lives. If the enemy is coming and stolen our joy and taking those things from our lives, God, I pray tonight, dear God, that you begin to release people, God. Begin to open up those wells, God, in our lives where things begin to flow again. If tragedy has struck somebody, God, Lord, and has put them in a place, dear God, I ask that joy will rise up, Lord, that rise up in their heart once again, God, Lord. And, Father, do not let all the troubles of life and the struggles of life destroy their lives. God, we came to you and gave our lives to you because you promised us that you'd give us life and give it to us more abundantly. And God, you have.